Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and kicking off a new week and letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. Here we are the last week of July already. Hope you had a good weekend. Some areas got some rain, others still waiting for some. We'll be talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson about the weather picture as we wrap up July and look ahead into August. We're also going to be getting a Washington update today from Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. We'll be talking about the uh, coronavirus assistance package they're working on in the Senate and some other ag issues as well. And Today we'll talk with AFBF economist Michael Nevue. We'll get his thoughts on what we've learned so far from that investigation into the cattle markets and what might still be ahead. So that's coming up on today's program. We'll start it off, though, with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications, who I believe joins us today from North Dakota. Right, Sarah? That's right, Mike. Um we're having a great time visiting family out here in Grant County, North Dakota, where our farm is. And it's just been a wonderful road trip, uh, starting with a stop at the Century Farm in Iowa that I purchased from my family's estate earlier this year. The no-till beans look wonderful there. And uh, all across Iowa, things look pretty good to get to the western part of the state, where, as you know, there's some drought. But uh, it was interesting coming up I-29 and across from Fargo over here to southwest of Bismarck, there's a lot of unplanted fields, a lot of water standing in fields. Uh, I think prevent plant will probably be pretty high in that part of the state for uh, 2020 at least. And how do you things look on your farm out there? <clears throat> they are wonderful. We have a lot of cow-calf pairs that are looking really good on the pasture, cherry lush. Uh, the corn crop looks great and the uh, alfalfa is in great shape. So this is one of those years where they're not worrying about the water for a change. Hmm. All right. So uh, we're going to talk more about weather and crop conditions uh, coming up with Bryce Anderson. But right now, let's turn our focus to Washington, D.C., where a lot of eyes are on the Senate and what they're going to come up with for their coronavirus assistance package. And we'll be watching to see what's in it for agriculture. Well, absolutely. This is the big day. We thought it was going to be last week, right? And right. it proved to be a little tougher on the Senate side than many had thought. But uh, our understanding is that there'll be a $1 trillion package unveiled today by the Senate majority Republicans. And we'll see a probably a, a repeat of several things. For example, the $1,200 uh, stimulus check that went out to all Americans uh, last uh, package. Uh, the one thing that we're looking at for a lot of folks is whether there'll be this $600 a week in unemployment benefits. You know, we've heard a lot of different sides of this story, Mike, from people who obviously don't want to go back to work because they fear that they have underlying conditions and are threatened by COVID, from those who might want to go back to work but don't have child care, from employers who are saying, gosh, these unemployment benefits are so rich right now uh, relative to what people might earn in the workplace that they're having trouble getting workers. So it's been a, uh, really a sore point and a lot of contentious debate around that enhanced unemployment benefit. So we'll see how they end up on that. Yeah, we'll be talking with Senator Grassley about that a little later in the program. What are you hearing? Will there be anything in there for the ethanol industry? 
Uh, it sounds like there will, but how um, it will be, it, it sounds very undefined at this point. Uh, hopefully, Senator Grassley can tell you a little bit more, but our understanding is there will be an additional $20 billion for ag, and that there, there's quite a bit of discretion in how that can be distributed. Now, as you know, Mike, on the House side, they wanted to have a lot more control over how those funds are distributed by USDA. People like Colin Peterson and even on the Senate, Senator De- Debbie Stabenow, the ranking minority member, has expressed concerns that there's too much leeway for Secretary Purdue. But our understanding is that there will be an effort to do some additional things for the ethanol industry as part of this. Yeah, we will see how that how indeed that turns out. You mentioned the House. Uh, they've been busy with appropriations bills. What stands out there? Well, uh, I, anybody who really wants to get in the weeds on this, I recommend they read our article on our website about the package that passed Friday. The Democratic-controlled House has um, a lot of good things in there for rural America, including $1 billion for rural broadband expansion, things that would really be helpful out here in western North Dakota. It's no secret to you. Uh, but also a lot of other things from the Ag Department, Food and Drug Administration, Interior, EPA, all those good sorts of good things. But it's notable, Mike, that there were seven Democrats, including House Ag Committee Chairman Colin Peterson, who voted against this package. Of course, he's up in a tough re-election bid in Minnesota in his district, but I think that there are quite a few writers in here that he found um, not uh, of his liking. Uh, there were some different things that were put on to limit some changes that had been made by the administration. And so there's a lot of different writers and technical things in here that are concerned to people in agriculture. Of course, this is just the House version. Uh, the Senate needs to get to work on this yet and doesn't look like they'll be able to do so. And we'll probably see another continuing resolution by the end of the year in order to keep the government going. A lot of uh, virtual events taking place in different forums. You're going to be hosting one, aren't you, uh, concerning the, uh, how things are in uh, the state of Iowa? Yes. Um, there's part of, there's an Ag Talk series of webinars that will be taking place. The first one's in my home state of Iowa, so I'm pleased to be able to visit with folks about trade and when what's going on there. Obviously, it was uh, great to be able to drive back through and talk to a bunch of people on our way, but uh, those are... I think much-needed discussions that people need to be having right now as we look at what is the future of farm policy, hopefully after we get a vaccine and after we can have some sort of return to the whatever new normal looks like. What kind of uh, reaction are you hearing uh, about these partial results from the investigation into the uh, cattle markets and uh, the fact that it's still ongoing, and, but we really don't have a whole lot of answers, it's some recommendations at this point? Yeah, I thought Spencer did a good job. Spencer Chase, our managing editor, wrote about this last week. And basically, you know, there are a lot of good recommendations. And and I think most people could get their arms around those recommendations and say, yeah, it'd be nice to have um, a little stronger enforcement tools from USDA, a little better reporting, maybe some changes like uh, expanded lending to small meat processors who are really overwhelmed during the pandemic. But it really didn't get into a lot of the details about uh, this investigation that was launched after the fire at the Kansas beef packing plant. I think that's the part that people wanted to see, okay, what really happened here and and what can you tell us that we learned? So um, I I understand, and Senator Grassley, of course, has been very keen on these issues, that um, I understand there's going to have to be a lot more information that comes out of this. Yeah, I think if... 
if you're frustrated with uh, the markets and uh, you think something's amiss there, this didn't do anything to change those people's minds, probably. <laughs> That's, uh, no, um, no, absolutely not. We no. need a little bit more education here and details to right. help us out. All right, Sarah, we'll continue safe travels to you. Good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Sarah Wyatt, Editor, President, AgriPulse Communications. Up next, we talk weather as we wrap up July and head into August. We'll be checking rainfall amounts and what's in that forecast for temperatures as well. That's next on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now. Back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, thank you for joining us. We've got some real uh, dry spots out there. Let's kind of focus on some of them. Western Iowa, any relief for them, any precipitation? There was some uh, scattered precip in that west central Iowa uh, area, Mike, over the uh, past uh, week or so. Uh, We're still looking at uh, an area of the Corn Belt where all of the rain that we've seen uh, from you know last weekend and uh, part of last week and now forecast for this week is just kind of swinging all the way around that part of the belt. Now, in terms of geography, uh, it's um, maybe not a that uh, as large an area or just you know a a, a uh, real large portion of the country, but uh, we're looking at uh, the the uh, section of Iowa west of Interstate. 35 uh, that goes uh, from Des Moines north uh, toward Ames, Iowa, and then continues, and then uh, west to the Missouri River between uh, Iowa and Nebraska, and then from Interstate 80 north toward the Iowa-Minnesota line. So it's about the uh, northwestern third of the state of Iowa, and uh, this is a very highly productive row crop area. Uh, We know that, and like I say, this is a portion of the Corn Belt that has been largely bypassed. There were some stations that had uh, some rainfall during the weekend um, in the a range of maybe a half to locally one inch, but there still is a notable rainfall deficit. We have about, what, eight counties in that section of the state uh, that are in the severe drought uh, on the U.S. Drought Monitor, Drought Level 2. Uh, with the remainder of that uh, portion of Iowa in anywhere from abnormally dry to moderate drought. So the uh, rainfall is certainly needed. Uh, Subsoil moisture was uh, quite uh, well supplied going into the season, and uh, that's pretty much what has kept crops going, is uh, working through that subsoil supply in order to keep uh, crop moisture uh, somewhat available for uh, for the new production. Eastern Corn Belt's been dry, too. What's the situation there? In uh, Indiana and Ohio, this week is looking better for rainfall. In fact, uh, there could be some rainfall amounts this week in Indiana that um, are pretty large, actually, anywhere from about one and a half to three inches and perhaps locally heavier. Some of that could make its way across the Indiana-Ohio line into western Ohio. So there's a, uh, I think, a fighting chance that at least some of that abnormally dry to moderate drought portion of the eastern belt is going to get some benefit from the way the rainfall pattern is shaping up this week. 
There are some places that could use some dry weather. There are. Um, This past weekend, we saw some very heavy rains uh, in the Dakotas and uh, in parts of uh, central and south-central Minnesota, rainfall amounts of over seven inches. On the other hand, um, there were some pretty dry areas of south-central Minnesota that needed to get the rainfall that, uh, you know, that that they got. And... um, the comments that I've heard from producers in that part of the state have been uh, kind of focused on the idea that rainfall came in a timely enough fashion and uh, was not um, severe enough to where uh, there's been a real good supply of crop moisture brought in as uh, we get through the uh, end of July and then get set up for August. And so, you know, you've got that uh, going on. Uh, But uh, as we look to uh, this week, we're going to see uh, a pretty uh, notable round of shower and thunderstorm action from the north central plains southeast into the southern Midwest, and then, like I say, eastward across uh, the Mississippi Ohio Valley confluence into the eastern Midwest. And there could be some areas of uh, possible uh, flooding that that occur. But when you look at the macro picture, uh, like I think it's important to do, at least from my standpoint. Uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, beneficial crop moisture that is going to uh, occur at a time when you know it's a high usage uh, level uh, with uh, pollinating corn having been taken care of and now going into the filling stages and soybean pod set and pod fill and all that. Along with that, uh, this temperature trend is uh, certainly backing away from the real, real hot levels uh, to mainly seasonal to even below normal. And I think that we're going to see a lot of growing degree day totals pretty well maximized because of the way the temperatures are shaping up. Yeah, is that going to, this little cooler spell, is that just this week or uh, is this kind of a pattern setting up as we head into August? Well, it's going to last with us uh, for probably a good 10 days to two weeks. And uh, with that kind of a a uh, setup, you've got to think that uh, crops are, are likely to have a, a fighting chance of being able to to get along, even if there's a little bit of a hotter pattern that forms in uh, mid to late August. I don't want to uh, discount that possibility, uh, but the fact that we were able to see this heat wave break the way it did during the past weekend, even with the, the uh, severe storms that uh, blew in in some respects, along with occurrences of heavy rainfall, uh, the fact that that heat wave uh, backed away and uh, moderated the way it did, uh, this is a real benefit. And uh, there's there's no question that it's of uh, great use uh, because we're going to see not only growing degree day totals pretty well added up, but it is going to be uh, cool enough during the overnight hours that uh, plants are truly going to be able to have a respiration period and not take away any energy that goes into the new crop just in order to maintain the plant, uh, the, the plant situation, the plant shape, so to speak. You know, that, that all means that there's going to be uh, a, a higher probability that yields are going to be good with heavier uh, test weights and uh, all of that for both corn and soybeans. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Now, Bryce, we do have some big storms forming, and uh, uh, keeping an eye on those, and what impact could those have as far as pushing moisture up into the country? 
Well, the, um, of course, the uh, former Hurricane Hannah system is pretty well played out, and it's now a uh, tropical low out over the uh, northern part of Mexico. So Hannah is, uh, is pretty much done for as far as being a real big influence. It brought some heavy rain into uh, part of uh, South Texas during the weekend. Uh, the next, uh, next big uh, system, uh, this uh, possibility of, uh, of uh, Gonzalo, uh, being a being a real weather maker, I think is still to be determined. But the fact that uh, Hannah did not cause uh, any any larger an area of uh, heavy precip than it did, I think was uh, really uh, somewhat of a benefit. Actually, uh, the storm did, uh, like I say, went more in a straight westerly fashion than angling to the northwest. If it would have, there could have been some. Uh, you know, a much wider area of uh, very heavy rainfall than we saw. All right. Uh, and finally, you, you touched on some of it, but let's kind of go over it again, your August forecast. Well, the uh, pattern in August is still looking uh, seasonal to above normal on temperatures in, in our view. Uh, rainfall, after we get through this uh, round of uh, showers over the next week, uh, does look like it's going to uh, pulled back to a near to below normal track, but uh, the way the uh, the way this uh, late July scenario has developed, uh, we're still likely to go into August with in many areas, and I I say many, not all, but many areas uh, with at least adequate uh, crop moisture, and um, and you can't uh, discount the importance of that because uh, we know that uh, there's a real high resource use going on with crops at this point and uh, and uh, every molecule of moisture that's available that is not uh, taken up by evaporation is going to go straight into the crop and uh, that's going to be favorable for prospects at harvest time yeah critical time right now and as you said you can't make a blanket statement because we know that some there's some areas that are either too wet or too dry or whatever but overall it looks pretty favorable doesn't it Yes, it really does, and um, and and I think um, the the uh, scene is is uh, much more uh, optimistic looking than it was about two weeks ago because uh, there was the uh, prospect of uh, of this uh, kind of southwestern heat bubble expanding farther east and and causing some real damage and and while we did see some of that uh, develop. The timing of it was such that that uh, we, we just didn't have the heart of the summer available to allow that to lock in and cause a real round of uh, problematic heat stress. All right, Bryce. Thanks a lot. We'll talk again next week. Okay, Mike. Good to talk to you. Thank you. DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Up next, a Washington update with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley here on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. We always look forward to our visits with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, who joins us now. Senator, thanks for being with us. How are you? Hey, you can have me anytime you want to. I enjoy talking about agriculture. Very good. You've been uh, all around your state of Iowa. You've been on your county tour. How's that gone? 
Well, uh, you know, uh, considering the fact that because of impeachment of the president, we couldn't do anything during January, we did a little bit in February, and then the pandemic uh, comes in, and we have a five-year, uh, five-week recess of the of the Congress. We're supposed to be isolated, so I went to the farm and did everything by phone and by email. My work as a senator couldn't have town meetings. Then I picked up six in in. Uh, let's see, May, that got me up to 20, uh, and then I did 29 uh, the, the July 4th recess, so I'm up to 49 out of the 99. I hope to finish the 50 uh, in uh, uh, August, usually get them done in August. Uh, we had an opportunity to visit about a lot of agricultural stuff at my uh, county meetings. We talked about commodity prices, uh, ethanol uh, trade, particularly with China, uh, we talked about my cattle marketing transparency bill, the investigations by the Attorney General and uh, the Secretary of uh, Agriculture. We talked about rural broadband uh, and then kind of unrelated to agriculture, but we did a lot of talk about getting kids back in school. Uh, other things, too, but those are the main ones. Right. Yeah, more challenging to have your tour in these times because of all the restrictions and everything. But you brought up some of the key topics we want to talk about here. And let's start with the assistance package that you're working on in the Senate. Are we going to get that today? And if so, what should we expect to see in it? Well, as much as $600 unemployment added on by the federal government, uh, compared to what the states would normally do, we're paying about two-thirds of the people that are unemployed more not to work than to work, and we need workers. So we're not going to make that mistake again. I think there'll be some add-on to what the states do, but not enough to discourage people from going back to work. I talked to the turkey uh, slaughtering people in eastern Iowa, uh, they had to lay off a lot of people uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, they got some of them to come back, but there's about 250 people that they can't get back yet because they're making more unemployment. I talked to some ethanol people in northern Iowa. Uh, they had the same problem, uh, people making more uh, not to work than to work. So it doesn't make common sense that the federal government would discourage people from going to work because everybody complains about uh, we, we got to have jobs. We got to have jobs, and that's not just this year. That's over. Uh, that's a historical thing we go through. Uh, what are we doing to create jobs? And so it's very important that we do that. So that's one thing. Uh, how much it's going to be above or below the 600? It's going to be below, but I can't tell you exactly the number. But we don't want to discourage people from going back to work. Then, uh, because of the shoot up in the pandemic, and I'll uh, start uh, stop with this if you got a, another question, and that is that uh, we're probably going to write some more checks uh, to people because we, uh, we think the economy isn't picking up as fast as we were hoping. The $20 billion for agriculture, what's in there? Well, uh, nothing specific. And that's something that Ernst and I are very concerned about because we have been trying to get some help for ethanol uh, uh, because of 130 to 140 plants either shut down or partly shut down. Uh, 
we're working that from two angles. One, to make sure that EPA doesn't give out more waivers. And number two, from the standpoint of some help from an industry that's losing about $3 billion. Now, we don't take lightly the extent to which government uh, ought to be involved in, in private business. Uh, but we see it from a standpoint of equity. Ernst and I see it from a standpoint of equity. If we're going to help uh, petroleum, then we ought to help ethanol because there's a real relationship between the two. Ten percent of almost all gasoline sold in America has ethanol in it for environmental reasons. And, uh, and so we think that they're spending about $3 billion to help petroleum by putting surplus oil in the strategic petroleum reserve. So that's why we're coming up with a figure of about $3 billion. Now, out of the $20 billion, is there anything in there that says uh, some of it's going to ethanol? Uh, no, right now it's complete flexibility for the Secretary of Agriculture to help agriculture any way he wants to. And so far, I have had telephone conversations with Purdue, and I can't get a commitment out of him on that point. I've talked to the vice president about it. Uh, uh, Ernst has talked to McConnell about it, talked to the secretary of agriculture about it. Talk, she's going to, she probably has already talked to the president about it. And uh, so we're trying to get that done. But uh, to answer your question, the $20 billion would go to the secretary of agriculture without specific ways of what he should spend it on. Hmm. All right. Um, so you're going to have a trillion-dollar package. The House has a three-trillion-dollar package. How tough are those uh, negotiations going to be to come to uh, a compromise between the two? Well, if you're talking about a final bill that includes everything that both Republicans and Democrats want, I think it's hard to fit that into a trillion dollars. And yet you have Senator McConnell saying, uh, it's not going to be over a trillion dollars as far as he's concerned. Now, sometimes he says that and gives a little bit and sometimes gives too much. But right now, he's been on that train of thought for the last uh, month or six weeks. Uh, so you either reach an agreement that's within the trillion or close to the trillion, or you don't get an agreement between now and August of 6th when we stop for the Democrat and Republican conventions. So then uh, uh, there's a possibility you might have something uh, to help uh, uh, people with their uh, with with the checks again, uh, to help kids get back to school, and to help with unemployment, and, and that might be a mini uh, issue at this point. So still a lot to get done here. Uh, the feeling, though, is there'll be some package passed, won't there? Yes. All right, talking with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. I want to get your thoughts on what we got from the ongoing investigations into the cattle market. We got some recommendations, not a lot of answers, and that it's still ongoing. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, I want you to see what has come out as separate from what we're dealing with asking the uh, Department of Justice under Barr doing an investigation, are there violations of antitrust laws? But what I see coming out of it is a lot of things 
that the U.S. Department of Agriculture, as far as market transparency is concerned, the market is really not working, and maybe even the agriculture department isn't doing enough, or they need more authority to do what we and now they think we ought to be doing. By we, at least Chuck Grassley, and they think they ought to be doing. So I think they raised about 12 key points, separate from the fire at Holcomb and other issues that we're dealing with. They raised 12 issues that probably a lot of people in agriculture would rather not have them raised because uh, the the Cushing uh, relationship that they have working with the Department of Agriculture on transparency would be upset if Congress takes some action or there's some action that the Department of Agriculture can take on their own. But most of it, I think, would take congressional action. And so they put this report out. It's going to put a lot of pressure on the agriculture committees of both the House and Senate uh, to follow up with hearings, and we're going to be asking for those hearings. Now, maybe the two chairmen of the committees won't want to have hearings. I don't know. Uh, But uh, we need to get everything out in the open. And one final note. You mentioned China earlier. How concerned are you about the trading relationship between the U.S. and China? Based upon a conversation I had with the president maybe a month ago, just a three- or four-minute conversation over the phone, uh, I'm not worried. Based upon what Lighthizer in conversations with Vice Premier Liu of China, who negotiates his, his negotiating counterpart, I have no concern. Ask uh, what I uh, have uh, with China by starting to buy agriculture products they promised, even if they don't reach the $40 billion they promised to reach this year, and I don't think they will because their economy is not as strong as would have been in January when we signed the agreement. Uh, I still think that they're committed to carrying it out. If you put Hong Kong problem, uh, the virus problem that the whole world is having with China, and you put up uh, closing of the consulates, then you might draw a different conclusion. But I see the consulates as one issue separate. I see the virus and Hong Kong issues separate from trade. And uh, maybe uh, three months from now, when you uh, interview me, I may have a different opinion, but that's the way I see it today. All right, Senator, thank you very much. We look forward to talking with you again real soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. All right, up next, we'll talk more about the the ongoing cattle market investigation with AFBF economist Michael Nevue. Stay with us on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So a couple of things from our conversation uh, we just concluded with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley as we watch for this Senate COVID assistance package. Um, When it comes to agriculture, as you heard, Senator Grassley said he's not expecting any specific language for ethanol. Basically, $20 billion or whatever the figure is goes to USDA to be distributed under their discretion. 
and I thought was interesting. He said he has not been able to get any commitment from Secretary Purdue at this point for the, any of that money going to the ethanol industry. So we'll keep a close watch on that. Also, it's going to be interesting to see how they bridge the gap here between a, a trillion-dollar Senate package and a $3 trillion House package and uh, how much wiggle room, how much uh, leeway there's going to be and will Senator McConnell budge much on that? How much above a trillion would he go to get a deal done? So those are some big issues to be watching. All right, joining us now is American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue. Michael, good to have you with us. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. A lot going on, a lot of different things. Uh, a lot of the news, of course, very negative when it comes to the ag economy. And uh, as you look at it from as an economist, just an overview, what are your thoughts on where the ag economy is right now as we wrap up July? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, not not a lot to be optimistic about, at least at least yeah. in my opinion. Uh, uh, better, better than where where most of us thought we would be a few months ago. Uh, specifically, you know, I, I primarily work in the livestock side of things. Uh, you know, three months ago, uh, early May, late April was about the worst you could possibly think it could get. Um, a lot of that uh, coming through the just disruptions at the packing plants, uh, animals backing up in the system. I mean, we all saw what happened to livestock prices, uh, while at the same time seeing what happened to. Uh, uh, wholesale uh, meat prices. Uh, it was it was just a really rough time, uh, specifically uh, for you know, the livestock sector. Uh, ethanol again, uh, that is trickling down to the corn farmers. They're they're getting hit pretty hard. Uh, no end in sight. Depending on uh, how optimistic you are on on trade uh, for for the bean guys, it's it's really been a, a really rough time, especially crop producers. Uh, as long as restaurants continue to be shut or operating at uh, limited capacity, you, you're going to see that just as, trickle down through the agricultural economy as well. So we'll see what how this breaks down as far as what they come up with with this next assistance package and how it goes, breaks out to uh, the livestock industry in particular, as well as the ethanol industry and some other sectors. But I want to focus on uh, this investigation, which is still ongoing into the cattle markets. Uh, We've had some preliminary information, mostly in the way of recommendations, Uh, not a lot of answers to some of the the really tough questions, other than basically I guess they're saying they've not found any real wrongdoing as far as price manipulation or market manipulation by the packers so far. But if they find anything, they will take action. That probably isn't satisfying to some people that have some real concerns about this, but what are your thoughts on what uh, they've released so far? Uh, I think what they've released so far is is interesting. Like you said, there's no smoking gun in what they've released, but you know I don't know if that necessarily means that they haven't found any evidence just yet. So if you if you look at this report, it really is more of an economic report. Uh, and I, you know, as far as an economic report goes, I think it's it's accurate. It, it does a really good job laying out you know what the market conditions were in the cattle industry and beef and the on the packer side the beef side uh what what was going on leading up to both the tyson fire and covid and then it talks about how the tyson fire and the and the covid disruptions really just just destroyed the system uh, in terms of uh, really messed up exactly 
uh, how those markets are interacting, and then it, it follows the aftermath. So I, I think, you know, I, I agree with everything it says. Uh, what One example I, I tend to use in talking with producers about this is that, you know, let's say you take me back uh, a year from now, or maybe a little bit over a year, depending on where we are. Uh, yeah, a year from now, and say, you know, in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a packing plant fire, and they're going to shut down 6% of processing capacity. Uh, what do you think is going to happen to cattle prices and what do you think is going to happen to beef prices? I would have told you, you know, I expect cattle prices to go down because you immediately have an oversupply of cattle on the market if you lost 6% of processing capacity. And then I immediately expect beef prices to go up because now you're going to have 6% less beef coming through the market. And that's what everybody thought was happening. And that's why you saw the market react the way it did. Uh, directionally, you would have expected that to happen. Magnitude-wise, especially with the COVID side of things, I think that's what the investigation is really trying to get into is, uh, especially with COVID, you saw what happened with the beef cutout. Uh, that was just ridiculous. It was historic. I don't know if we're ever going to see any kind of spike like that ever again. And again, the, the report doesn't explicitly say that we have not found anything. It just says, you know, as far as the actual investigation goes, uh, in terms of the Packers and Stockyards Administration, they can't comment on it because it's still ongoing. Real Sorry, quick, what is your answer? Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of what basically it sums it up, though. Uh, what is your cattle market outlook? Uh, you know, moving forward, it, it's it's a mixed bag. Uh, I think anybody trying to talk with absolute certainty right now, uh, it, with COVID going on, it's I'm I'm a little bit pessimistic as well as optimistic. So I, I think in terms of the rest of the year finishing out on the beef side of things. Um, I think we're working through a backlog of animals. We already have beef production over a year ago levels. That's largely recovered. Uh, we're still sitting in a depressed beef demand situation, at least for the next couple of months. Uh, we already passed July 4th. That's usually a, a pretty good, pretty good uh, demand event. So now we got to make it to the next grilling event, uh, which would be uh, early September with Labor Day. Uh, coming up and you know I, I think this is a, a long month going into that yeah uh, just seems like there's just so many more questions than we have answers at this point Michael thank you very much and we'll stay in touch thank you very much appreciate your time thank you American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nebu. all right coming up tomorrow we'll take a look at this uh, package uh, this assistance package from the Senate what's in it for agriculture hope you'll join us right here on AOA AOA